You're listening to a new type of podcast from the RSA. In addition to talks from our public events programme, we'll be publishing interviews and discussion programmes on a new dedicated podcast feed called RSA Radio. Why not search and subscribe to it now? We're encouraged to be ambitious, to find our calling, chase our dreams. We're told that success comes from a combination of talent, hard work and perseverance. But what happens if you do all of that? You put everything on the line and you fail. How do you deal with that? My name is Moses Sangabe and I'm a fellow of the RSA. This is my story of chasing success and what I learned from failing. I'm interviewed by Matthew Taylor, Chief Executive of the RSA. I'm interested in that side of success that, understandably, isn't spoken about and is usually hidden away. What can we learn from failure? Moses, we're going to talk about your life and about how failure, success, has been part of your story. And a lot of that is about sport. So tell us a bit about how you got into Sport. So that's about where you grew up and stuff like that. Okay, so um grew up in East London, Poplar, Tower Hamlets. I think I think from there now it was a matter of trying to find myself, trying to find where, where I could actually fit into things. I got into a bit of trouble in year seven. My father had gone out to the States in order to, to go and work out there and I found myself just going into school and and bouncing off the walls. My parents said from there, you know what, we're gonna have to send this, this child out to Nigeria in order for in order for him to see another way of life. So you were in Nigeria, I think, for a couple of years, but then you came back. Yeah, yeah I was out. I was out in Nigeria for two years. I remember we, we went to my aunt's house, myself and my brother, and then we actually called our parents. We, we said, "Please, just get us home. Like we need to, <laughs> yeah, we need to get back out of here." So you'd have been what thirteen, fourteen when you got back? Yeah, around fourteen. And did you have a plan when you got back? No. So um, I got back and I was out of touch. So all of my friends had, had been two, two, three years ahead of me, and I literally just got back to the UK. I had a Nigerian accent, I was out of touch with fashion and, and I was out of touch with everything. So I was a matter of trying to find myself from coming back. And then this moment happens, you're kind of on YouTube or something like that and you see NFL, you see American football? Yes, it was, it was actually Channel 4. So I was watching, I, I was up in the middle of the night and I was just watching, watching TV. And I remember this guy running down the football field he caught a ball and he got into the end zone and there was there was celebration, there was confetti, there was noise. And I was thinking to myself that this guy, all he's literally done is literally just run down the football field. He's being idolised. And I was like, what is this sport? So it was kind of love at first sight. Yeah? Love you at just, first sight. You knew nothing about the sport. You just watched it and you thought, I could do that. And I quite like the idea of people cheering and shouting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What, for, running, for running a straight line, <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's easy. I'm fast. I'm fast. I can catch. From there, I was like, you know what? At least let me give it a go. It's a critical moment where, where a young person is trying to think, okay, like, what can I do? Like, we all want that sense of belonging. From a young age, it's, it's been drilled into me that you're going to go out into the world and you're going to make something of yourself. So I had no idea in terms of what that was going to be. I know that coming from a Nigerian background, my parents always said that that was going to be education. I was okay. I was okay in, in school, but it was never a thing that I actually wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an accountant. I just felt that that wasn't for me. So... Up until that point, it was a matter of me going out and looking at different things to find out, okay, that what could I be good at? What could I go out into the world and be good at? And um, I saw American football and I was like, well, that's an easy opportunity. So what would have happened if you hadn't been up at three o'clock in the morning sitting on the sofa, you know, eating Doritos or whatever it was, and that NFL game hadn't come on? Because this is how life works, isn't it? Yeah. There's just a, a moment, a completely random moment, and you're sitting there thinking, I need to be good at something. I don't know what I need to be good at. It's not the things my parents want me to be good at. Oh, I could do that. 
Is that is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, no, of course, of course. I think up until that point, it was just a matter of me just doing what any young person would be doing, going out, talking to girls, playing on the Xbox. But just at that moment, it just seemed like everything went black and white in the room, and the only thing that was in colour was the TV. I went on Google and I tapped in American Football London, and um, I think there was one team that came up, and it was that they were the London Olympians. Went onto their website, really showed the website. <laughs> um, I saw a youth team. There was a contact there called Jerry Anderson. Gave him a call. And um, I said, hey, coach, how you doing? Uh, my name is Moses. I'm from East London. I've seen America football. I really want to get into it. Can I can I come down and like try out maybe? Jerry, in, in typical fashion, he says, Moses, thanks for the phone call. But um, we're in off-season at the moment. We'll give you a phone call in about six months. Six months? Yeah, in about six now, months. Now, six months when you're 14, that feels like 20 years, doesn't it? 50 years. 50 <laughs> years. I said, all right, thank you, coach. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a call back soon. The next week, I made the same phone call. And he says, Moses, that um, I told you last week that I'll give you a call when that like, closer to the date. And that kept going on and that was ongoing, ongoing up until the point where he called me and he says, Hey Moses, that um that you've been calling me all this time, practice on Sunday, make sure you're there. You're making these phone calls, you know you're being a pain in the ass basically, but yeah. you're just sticking with it. You're just determined to do this thing. And and in the end, Jerry, I guess, he's glad that you've stuck at it. He <laughs> he kinda of admires the fact that you've been a pain in the ass. Is that right? I'm not too sure if he would say that. <laughs> I'm not too sure if he would say that. He's told me that, that he has some sort of respect for me for in terms of chasing him and pursuing him. I know that I've got any nerves a lot. So then you turn up to this practice session and you yeah. must have been a bit nervous because, after all, you don't know whether you've got any talent at all. Matthew, I think up until that point, I was literally out in the streets and I, and I gave my brother a ball. I went to Argos, bought, bought a, small, a small football and I said, Dammy, please throw this. Like, just keep throwing the ball to me. I was, gonna, I was running down the streets and he was throwing me the balls. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, I can't wait till Sunday. And then Sunday came, the morning of Sunday came. We rocked up to the, to the practice field and there were about 50, 50 guys. And everyone else there, they had played American football and they were ready for it. All that excitement, all that courage that I had, bam, like, okay, you're here now. But you've asked for it, Moses. From the moment you say you want to do something, there's no turning back. These emotions that you feel at the time, that like you just, you allow them to, to sit with you and you, you embrace them. I might have wanted to turn back, but there was no way I was going to do that. And so were you any good? Um, no. I, um, I said I wanted to, to run down and catch footballs, right? A yeah. wide receiver. I remember standing up and Mar- Marv Allen, he actually played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, like, he actually won the Super Bowl. He threw the ball and it went straight through my hands and hit me in the head. That all the coaches, they, they were ruthless, so they had no time for tapping on the back and saying, good job. They're like, get this guy out of here. Like, let him go and try and tackle someone. So I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is it. Like, I've bigged myself up. I said I was going to do this, but, but I'm not good at it. So they asked you to do another position? Yeah, so they, um, they sent me over to the defensive side. From watching American football that night on TV, all the glamours were with offense. The defense were the guys who were chasing them and falling down and, and looking ugly, but the wide receivers, they were celebrating. They had all the dance moves. And um, they sent me over there, so I'm thinking, oh, they've demoted me already. My first practice session, within, within 15, 20 minutes, I'm already with the guys who aren't that good. I remember one of the coaches said, okay, like, um, what I want you to do is I want you to get into a three-point stance and I want you to run to this, the running back who's going to run at you with the football as soon as you blow the whistle. This is not what I thought I was going to yeah, be yeah. doing. And I um, blew the whistle and I'm, I'm angry, I'm amped up. I get up, I get out of my stance and I'm running, I'm buying down on my gum shield and I'm... Um, I just hit him. I hit him. I took out all of my frustration on Devoir. I took out all of my frustration on, on that guy. And I think it was a matter of, take this. I just said, take this. And he went into the air. His, his legs went flying. All the other players and all, all the coaches, they all erupting out. Oh, everyone's screaming. I'm thinking, what What did I just do? What, was it me? Was it him? What happened? And he gets up and he, he like wipes the mud off his helmet. And people come tap me on the back. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, like what is this? And you got better and better. 
what I realised was that that feeling like this guy where everyone came and tapped me on the back, that was like fuel. And from there now, I kept chasing that feeling. So I didn't want to catch a ball no more. I wanted to hit the person who had the ball. When I hit them, I wanted everyone to erupt. It was never a matter of me trying to get better and better. I was just chasing that feeling. And I just kept getting it and I kept getting it and I kept getting it. I kept chasing it. I kept chasing it. By the end of that year, you were rookie of the year, is that right? <laughs> yeah, so um, playing, playing the, the whole year. London Olympians, as we were then, and we went undefeated. So we're national champions and um, we have this annual ceremony. They're giving out trophies, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, MVP of the year. And then they say, OK, now we're going to call rookie of the year. But I'm not even chasing awards or, or none of that. And um, they just scream, Moses Sankaby, and everyone goes crazy. So everyone's clicking and people are saying speech, speech, speech. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what, for, what for me? Like, what are you lot talking about? So you're getting all this affirmation. You, yeah. you know, there's that moment you hit the tackle and everyone's, yeah, and it happens again and again. You get rookie of the season. Yeah. But you had to now decide what to do next with this. Because mm. yeah. being a good American football player in Britain doesn't really mean much, does no, it? No, of course, of course, of course. We were fortunate because all of our coaches were involved with the NFL. I know that back then, NFL Europa was going on. So that was an avenue for players out in Europe to show their abilities and get picked up by a team in the NFL. And because our coaches were, were so involved, we saw that as the next possible opportunity for us to get involved in. And there were, there were players who were actually on a development program. So there was an avenue that they were moving them on. And as long as I continued to, to do well, then that was going to be something that I would be placed on. But you must have known... Right from the beginning, the odds of success were pretty small. Of course. And that didn't daunt you? Did you just have self-belief? Or was it you thought, well, what else am I going to do? With American football, it was the first thing I was good at. And I grew up with the belief that everyone has that calling. And up until then, I didn't know my calling. I was out there looking for it. With American football, because there was that feeling that I was actually good at this, I instantly thought, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So if this is what I'm supposed to be doing... And I know I'm going to go out there and be a success. Where's success in American football? And there was a visual line that it's out in the NFL. So that's where I was going. So this brings clarity to your life, clarity. doesn't it? And then this clarity continues. Yeah. You know, you're going to push this as far as you possibly can. You had no doubts? No doubts. What were the steps you had to go through to make it possible that you'd end up as a pro in the NFL? NFL Europe, that was the first program. Unfortunately, um, I think the NFL pulled the funding from that. So what was the next project? It was going out to America and getting a scholarship. To get into pro sport in America, the main route, overwhelming route, is to go through college sport, which is taken very, very seriously. And tens yeah. of thousands of people watch college sport. So your next plan is to get a scholarship to play in a college, yeah? That's right, yes. So how did you go about that? It was over a Christmas, and um, just by chance I was speaking to my aunt. And I said, aunt, I'm coming out to America next month. I'm coming out because I want to play American football really bad, and I really feel that I can get a scholarship out there. She said, sure, when you're willing to come down, let me know. So um, worked a couple shifts, bought a ticket out to America, put some game tape together, flew out to Houston, my aunt's house, and I remember sitting down at her computer with a list of 30 different colleges. I'm sat there and I'm going through a list and I'm calling up these coaches. I'm saying, hey, coach, how you doing? My name's Moses. I'm from, I'm from the UK. I really want to play American football. I'm out here for a month. Like, please give me the opportunity to come down and show you what I can do. I had these coaches who said, hey, Moses, thank you for calling, but unfortunately, we don't need any linebackers. We don't have any funding. We don't have this getting this rejection I'm getting met at the door by bam 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 and the 30th college like the 30th college Texas A&M Kingsville coach Bo Atterbury he says hey Moses how you doing like fantastic sure come down tomorrow I'm thinking what the pardon he says yeah come down tomorrow so I think it's about a six hour six hour coach journey so I jump on the Greyhound jump on the Greyhound with my shoulder pads that I brought from the UK I'm listening to music and I'm seeing myself I'm envisioning myself on the football field and, and showing him what I can do and um 
rock up to the bus garage and the coach was, was leaning back on his pickup truck and he says, hey, Moses, nice to meet you. Let me take you into the college. I'm thinking, coach, um, where's the football field? Like, let me show you. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm amped up. Let's, let's do this right now. And he says, no, don't worry. Just calm down. Let me show you around. From there now, he says, Moses, I just want to let you know that we're going to give you a scholarship. There's no need for you to work out. The fact that you, you've flown out, you've, you've left your country in order to chase a dream that these are the type of people wow. that, we, that we want come back to the UK and I'm sorting out all of my papers I'm studying I'm working I'm training and I'm, I get a phone call in the middle of the night it's the admin department from the scholarship and they're saying most of that unfortunately because of your grades at university while you're in the UK we can't offer you we can't offer you admission on, onto this program that was, so we're going to have to pull the plug on the scholarship many people that would have been it that wasn't it for you you, you had another go I still had that burning desire. There was something still in me. You still in order, believed in yourself. Yes, I, yeah, I still believed in myself, but I still, I still wanted to make it as well. So I um, did some research. I saw that the NFL were holding some regional combines. I put out an application for it, and it came through, and there was, you're successful with that. Please make your way down to Baltimore. The regional combines, they're a trial for players out in America in order to make it into the NFL. Right. You have representatives from all teams literally just watching you and t- taking notes and finding out whether you're going to be a great fit for their team. I asked one of my friends, I said, I'm Mike Andrews, so he used to play in the NFL as well, but now he was doing personal training. And I said, Mike, I really need you to train me for the next six months. That I, I could really do with that help. And he says, yeah, sure, just make your way down to the gym on Monday. So we're training nonstop Monday through to Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. The time for the trial comes up and I, I fly out to Baltimore. We rock up to the practice facility. It's a six-hour trial, so we start at 6 a.m. and we finish at 12 in the afternoon. It's a huge airport hangar and the doors slide open and inside you see a huge indoor football field. And um, you walk through and they just give you a number. They give you a number and from then on, you are literally known as your number. You're not known by a name. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally crazy. I'm not used to experiencing anything like this. That from there, they say, okay, so watching everything you do. So when, when it's time to jump, you jump as high as you can. When it's time to run, you run as fast as you can. When you, when you need to go to the toilet, you're sprinting to the toilet. We are watching everything. And it's yourself with 200 other athletes. And you have, you have coaches and scouts from all teams and all eyes on you. And I'm, I'm doing my thing. So at the end of the six hours, how well did you think you'd done? There was a huge weight off my shoulders. I'd done pretty good and I'd given the best account of myself. And now you have to wait for the phone call to find out whether you've got through to the final That's it. trial. That's and it. And then what happened was this? The phone call never came, Matthew. The phone call, the phone call never came. I'm, I'm sat in my hotel room. Ten years of preparation. This was it. I thought I was going to the NFL. Like I believed, and and this was me. I've come over the first hurdle, the second hurdle, the third hurdle, and now I'm just two steps away. This is it. It's there. All I need now is literally just that phone call. That phone call is the key for the next door. So when the phone call doesn't come, how how do you feel? I'm lost. I'm an, I'm an alien. I'm in the middle of nowhere. What I felt. Let's. Leap forward a bit here now, yeah. because the first time I met you uh, was an event, and I thought you were one of the most positive people I'd ever met. <laughs> so I came up to talk to you because I was amazed. Tell us what happens on the journey between Moses sitting in that hotel room and the Moses I met okay. a couple of years later, I guess. Yeah. How did you go on that journey? I think getting back after the trial now, it was a matter of me sitting down in my living room and, and realising that all of my friends had moved like two, three steps ahead. They'd all been in careers, they're settling down, have, getting married, and I'm thinking, I'm back at square one. I'd been ridiculous enough to, to taste a dream in order to feel like I could be something, in order to be something special, but I'm on my face. I had to sit with that for a little while, but out of nowhere, Chelsea Football Club, they got in touch with me and they said, hey Moses, that um, we have a project coming up that could you lead it? And um, I went down to Chelsea 
ran a project for a year. It was a great project, and some of our young people got some amazing stuff out of it. It was a community project. A community project, yeah. So Chelsea Foundation, so. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that, that I can actually I can actually do something. I've actually taken some of the stuff that I'd got from American football and applied it in another field. Prior to American football, as I mentioned, I, I was shy, I was quiet, I wasn't confident. But that fuel that we were talking about earlier, that just adds to it. So, so I, was, I was building the confidence. I was made a captain of the team. I, I was a leader of the team. So there was something there. And I was, I was able to take those traits and apply them to something completely different. Like just by chance, I was able to transfer those skills over and, and still be successful in the youth work. And um, I guess from there, I was like, okay, that, this is nice. And then I um, took a step back and then we set up a mentoring business. And in the mentoring business, now we're working with young people and, and you can see the, the fuel and the passion that they were getting from there. But would you do it all again? 100%. Yeah? Definitely. Despite that, because that feeling in that hotel room, you know, a lot of people yeah. would want to spend their whole life avoiding feeling like you felt when that phone didn't ring in that hotel room. But even despite that, you'd say it was, you don't regret it. That feeling is horrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was, it was horrible and it, it was bitter, but... But you couldn't have done any of it if you weren't willing to have that feeling. Exactly. Exactly. It was always a possibility, wasn't it? It was always a possibility. The, the possibility of failure is always there. It's just that, just that little sign tiny in the room just saying, hey, I'm still here. That, it might happen. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it might happen, but just try and block it out and just keep going anyway. But when that feeling does come and you sit with it, it's like, whoa, this is actually here now and this is what it feels like. But I feel like they sit in the, in the same ballpark. How do we ever know whether we're resilient unless we allow the possibility of of failure because you learn a lot through NFL about discipline about yeah. leadership about what you're capable of but you also learned something in that hotel room in the days after that which is that you could really suffer terrible disappointment mm. but you could bounce back and that's a good thing to know about yourself isn't 100%, it? 100% definitely as, as I say you have to get your toes wet like you have to jump into it and, and you want to if you can swim if you, if you stay on the side so you just have to now you work with young people yes when you talk to them about these things, when you talk to them about their ambitions and pursuing their ambitions and taking risks, what, what are the things that you hear from them? That there's, there's no point in going out there and trying to be something that's not possible or I, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, why can't you do it? What makes you different from whoever's out there? They're thinking to themselves that, well, look at their journey. That it was easy for them. They made it overnight. Look at, they make it look easy. How can I, how can I go out there and, and be spectacular? I think there's that fear, that fear of failure, that, that fear of, of not making it right straight away. They're frightened of mm. not succeeding. Of course, of course. Because if you think about the images that are projected onto us, we just get successes projected onto us like on a daily basis, that wow, that you should have this, you should have that. And whether that's through TV, through media, think about social media now. Social media is, is scary in terms of the way that people are only going to show you the perfect parts of their lives, the things that you want, the things that you, you would like to have as well. If a young person tries to go out and do something spectacular and, and flop maybe and maybe get it wrong, what are they? What are they seeing as? If you risk it and you fail, you fail in front of the rest of the world as well. So it's not just that you fail to yourself, but you take the risk that everyone says, oh, well, you didn't make the grade. And uh, do you think people are intimidated by that as well? When you didn't make it in Baltimore, yeah. when you came back, did you feel well, a bit humiliated? I felt like the fingers were pointing on me saying, oh, you thought you could actually go out and do something, isn't it? You thought you could be spectacular. Right. You bought into the dream. You bought into that. It wasn't actually a thing where people were actually doing that. It's just that that's what I felt people right. were doing. I think people are much more forgiving than that, aren't they? Of course they are. This is what I found. This is what I found because like, we, we all love each other. We, we all like to see people going out and trying to do amazing things and doing amazing things. I guess it's a matter of that. Like, we, never, we never really 
go up to people and say, hey, like, you've, you've actually done a great job or, or you know what, I saw what you did there. Like, like, that's amazing. Please keep doing what you're doing. We rather internalise things and rather just look. See, I think when we see people try and fail, we yeah. don't think, ha, huh, you're a failure. We think, God, I wish I had the guts to at least try like you. So when you talk to young people, Moses, when you tell them your story, yeah. how do they respond to hearing someone like you saying that there was this moment when it all fell apart and you took that risk? How do they respond to that story? It's, hum- it's humbling because a lot of them come up to me and say, that was really inspiring. Thanks for talking with me. That that really touched me. That you know, I'm inspired. I'm actually going to go out and maybe attempt to do that thing that that I, I want to do. That's what I want people to to do. Just hopefully go out there and commit to something and, and be that thing that you want to be. That that thing that you see yourself as. Go go and attempt it because you will learn so much more about yourself going through that journey. Whether or not you succeed or you fail you will always win because you will always learn something. You will always get something from that journey. And if you don't take that journey, you're not gaining anything. This podcast has been an RSA and Resonance production. I hope you enjoyed it. If you've got a story which changed the way you viewed success, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter at msango one